are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. About 15 years ago, Annette and I were getting up on a Sunday morning, getting ready to get out the door, and uh, she yells at me and says, hey, Rick, I'm leaving. It's 8 o'clock or 20 to 8 or whatever. And she had to be there at 8 o'clock for a, a, a rehearsal. She was singing in the praise team. And so I said, okay, I'm going to get a shower soon. And, uh, and so, so she calls me 20 minutes later at 8 o'clock. And she says three words when I answered the phone. Hello? The time changed. You know, and it was just, oh, my goodness. So if you can grasp this, we think it's 8 o'clock, but it's 9 o'clock, meaning the first service was starting I'm preaching in about 25 minutes. I'm standing, just gotten out of the shower, hair soaking wet, no clothes on. And I've got to preach in, in 30 minutes, but I live 20 minutes away, okay? And so I just make a mad dash to get myself dressed and out the door. I call Annette on the way, and she says, just park at the south entrance. Somebody will park your car. Here's how it actually happened. I walked into the foyer of the church. Somebody opens the door to the sanctuary. I come walking down the aisle. The song before the sermon is ending. The person sitting right there is holding a microphone out. I stick it in my sport coat pocket, clip it onto my shirt, and I walk up and I said, open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John without one second to spare. And so since then, even though we now have iPhones, as Chris said, to take care of us, in those days we had alarm clocks. So if you're under 30, they're little box-looking things that sit on your nightstand, and you would actually set them and you'd wake up by them. But uh, I still get a little anxious on Time Change Sunday to make sure that I'm, I'm here. So I'm glad to be with you today. Not only is it Time Change Sunday, but it's also the fourth Sunday of Lent, a season in which you and I prepare our hearts for Easter. We do that through prayer. We do it through fasting. We do it through repentance. We do it through self-denial. Our goal is to focus on the life, the suffering, the sacrifice of Jesus. And we want to identify with Christ in this season. We want to become more like Jesus, but to live the life that Jesus lived, to live the life that Jesus calls us to live, takes a lot of faith. We've been calling it audacious faith, brave, bold faith to say, I'm going to follow what God wants me to do, the way of Jesus, no matter what. So today, I'm going to talk to you about following Jesus when we face temptation. So, so I'm just going to say this now, that this is a conversation that applies to everybody because we all face temptation. So let me ask you a question. I love numbers. I love to think about things like this. How many words do you think the average person living in the United States of America would hear with their ears every day? How many words do you think the average person hears every day? 5,000? 10,000? Do I have 15,000? Anybody 20? 30,000? Researchers tell us that the average person will hear between 20 and 30,000 words a day. My wife Annette would tell you that I can speak that many words at a dinner. Yeah. So here's my question. If the average person hears 20 to 30,000 words a day, how many different voices does the average person hear in a day? You understand the question? And I don't know the answer. And I don't know what the answer is for you. 
But I want you to get with me because I think there's some real value here. You might say, okay, I hear the voices of my family members. I hear the voices of friends. I hear the voices of coworkers or classmates. I hear the voices of news, websites, newspapers, books. I hear the voices on television. I hear voices on radio. I hear voices of podcasts. I hear voices in music. I hear familiar voices. I hear unfamiliar voices. I hear voices spreading fear. I hear voices spreading hope. I hear voices spreading truth. I hear voices spreading lies. I hear a lot of voices in a day. And I hear God's voice. God speaks in many ways. I sometimes hear people say, God's speaking to me. Meaning that I think God is trying to talk to me or I think God's leading me. And so God speaks through that inner voice. God also speaks through circumstances in our lives. God speaks through other people. You know what I'm praying today is that God will speak to you through me. But the most objective way that God speaks to us is through His Word. God just speaks every day to me through His Word. So I want to tell you a story. And the reason the story is significant to me is because a couple of years ago, I found myself in Israel for a couple of weeks. And one day after a long drive, we ended up at the Jordan River. And the place we ended up at the Jordan River is where some believe that it could have been the place where Jesus was baptized. Nobody knows if it was or not, but that's what some people believe. And so I remember with my wife Annette and a group of our friends, we slipped off of our shoes and we waded into the icy Jordan River. And it was a pretty powerful moment to just remember Jesus' baptism and to think, this might have been the spot where it happened. So here's how the story unfolds. Jesus goes to the Jordan and he says to John the Baptist, John, I want you to baptize me. And John says... Do we maybe have this backwards, Jesus? I mean, shouldn't it be you baptizing me? And Jesus coaxes John and the reasons why, and so John does it. He baptizes Jesus in the water. And here's what the Word of God says. When Jesus comes up out of the water, a voice. Talking about voices, right? A voice from heaven said... This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So this is all about Jesus' mission. It's about his calling. It's about his future. It's about the path his life is going to take. Now, in the very next story, in both Matthew and Luke, here's what happens. Jesus is in the wilderness. For 40 days, he is being tempted by the devil, and he hears another voice. And the other voice says, if you are the Son of God, and that's the voice of the devil. And that's a voice regarding Jesus' future and his mission and the choices that he will make and the path that his life will take. And Jesus has a decision to make. It's the same decision that you and I will have to make every day of our lives. And here's the decision. Which voices 
will you allow to influence the direction of your life? In other words, what voices are you going to listen to? What voices are you going to give time in your head? You're going to hear a lot of voices tomorrow. You're going to hear a lot of voices today. Many of those voices are trying to influence you. Many of those voices are agenda-based voices. And the question that you have to answer today and tomorrow and the next day is simply this. Which voices will you allow to influence the direction of your life? So you might, you might just kind of be hanging out with me this morning and you might be saying, you know what, Rick? When I look back on my life and I look at certain seasons of my life and I think about the choices that I made, I was letting certain voices influence the choices about my future. I think about my life that way. So if you want to grab a Bible and go to Luke, I would love to share this story with you, okay? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read these words three times, Jesus answered, okay? Every time I read the words, Jesus answered, I want you to read the next sentence with me. You got that? I'm not going to give you a warning. You just got to stay awake, even though you lost an hour of sleep last night. So the words, what? Some of you are still asleep. But anyway, Jesus answered. Then you read the next sentence with me. Here we go, okay? Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. Now, that's where he was baptized. That's where God said, this is my son whom I love, in him I'm well pleased. And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, understandably, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if, because this is one of his best tricks, it's planting doubt. Remember what he said to Eve in the Garden of Eden? Did God really say, don't eat from the tree? <laughs> if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. You really got to come with me next time, okay? So here I'll keep reading. So the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Much better, I'm impressed. So the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, now this is the enemy talking, quoting Scripture. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all of his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. When Annette and I were living in Ohio, we had a guy one day come to talk to me. And he said, we have a daughter. She's an adult now. She doesn't live in our home any longer. But we raised her here in this church, not while you were the pastor. She was already grown by the time that you got here. 
but it seems like that she's kind of leaving the faith of her childhood. I asked her if she would talk to you because I, I don't seem to be making any progress. And she said, sure, I'd be glad to talk to Rick. I've met him and I'm comfortable with that. And so I was wondering, would you give her a call? She's expecting it. And maybe set up an appointment and talk to her. And I said, yeah, I would be glad to. And so I called her and she agreed to come in. And we set up the time and we set him office. And she said, here's, here's the thing, Pastor Rick. My parents feel like I'm leaving the faith of my childhood. And they're really struggling. And the bottom line is simply this. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But there was a time in my life when I was young that I believed this. And I believed this. And I believed this, and I believed this. She had a bit of a list. She said, but I don't believe any of that any longer. So they were not only theological issues, they were behavioral issues as well. So I said to her, I see your list, but I think there's a bigger question for you to be asking yourself. I think the bigger question for you to ask yourself is what is it that you really believe about God's Word? Do you believe in your heart that God's Word is truth? She said, I knew you were going to ask me that question. And so after quite a discussion, she finally says to me, no, I don't believe that everything that is in the Bible is, is true. So here's what I'm thinking. She's no longer listening to God's voice as it's recorded in the Scripture. So what voices are you listening to? And so I said to her, are there people that you know, that you've met, that you talk to, that believe like you believe? And she says, I knew you were going to ask me that too. And she finally says, yeah, a couple of years ago I met some people. We began to have conversations about faith. And my eyes were kind of open through some of those conversations to the things that I see and understand and believe now. But don't misunderstand me, Pastor Rick. I don't believe this stuff because it's what they believe. I believe it because it's what I believe. I said, no, I... I'm not questioning that you believe it. But where I landed in my own heart was a place of real concern. And that is she had made a decision that I'm not listening to God's voice any longer as it's recorded in this book. I'm now listening to other voices. And those voices are having a major impact on the direction my life is going. So I've written a definition, and if you just walked to me on the street and asked me to define temptation, I might not use these words, but because of the context of the passage and the conversation we're in, I think it's a good, solid, and sound definition, okay? And so I think temptation is simply this. When a voice entices you to live in a way that is contrary to God's plan for your life. 
So I think for those of us who walk with Jesus, I think this is a great definition of temptation. It's when a voice entices you or me to live in a way that is contrary to God's plan for your life or my life. Once in a while, I get in a conversation with somebody who says, is that a thing? Like, well, is what a thing? Like, is the devil really a thing? Or is temptation really a thing? Or is it just like me kind of doing some things I want to do? And I think I understand the struggle. And I think the struggle comes from the fact that we are so individualistic. And we pride ourselves on being so independent. That it's difficult to amass that there is a... It's difficult to admit that there is a force in this world that actually influences my decisions. I want to think that I'm the captain of my own ship. I want to think that I'm making my own decisions here. And so for me to admit or to even consider the fact that there's a force in this world that kind of has some power and influence over me and that is influencing the choices I make, that's, that's kind of hard to do. The reason I think it's a thing is because the Bible gives a lot of attention to the fact that there is a devil. In fact, the Bible warns us terribly about it. I've chosen only three statements because I thought they would be helpful to you. The Bible says, don't give the devil a foothold in your life. If you give him an inch, he'll take a mile, in other words. The Bible says, take your stand against the devil's schemes. Don't let him push you around. The Bible says, resist the devil. And so if I thought the devil wasn't a thing, I would have to ask myself, then why does the Bible talk so much about the devil? Why does the Bible say he's trying to destroy you, he's your enemy? And why would the Bible say, don't let him influence your life like this? Take your stand. You understand, the devil tempted Jesus. And if the devil tempted Jesus, I think the chances are really strong that the devil would tempt you. The Bible says this about Jesus. He was tempted in every way, just like we are. Fully human, fully God, tempted by the enemy like you and I are tempted. And so we know what the devil says to Jesus, right? Hey, you haven't eaten for 40 days. You've got to be starved. We're not going to let the Son of God go hungry now, are we? You don't need God to make your bread. Turn that stone to bread. You can do anything. And then he says something like this. What would it be like to control the world? I could give that to you today. And then he says, you need a little recognition. People have no idea the power that you hold in your fingertips. Do something spectacular. Get yourself some recognition. So, we know what the voice said to Jesus. Here's what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes. What does the voice of the enemy say to you? How do you know it's wrong? Depends on how you look at it. Right and wrong. A lot of gray in there. You deserve a little excitement in your life. You think other people are better than you? This doesn't make you a bad person. 
nobody will ever know. See, I think we run to that conversation when we think about the devil tempting us. And I think that's a valid conversation. Because I think that's the kind of stuff he says to us. But there's a lot of people listening to me right now who would say, Rick, I'm not easily enticed to commit some outward act of sin. But here's what the voice says to me. If I were you, I would be afraid. You don't know what's going to happen next. And what the enemy says to me is that I should be living in fear and living with anxiety. I had a friend whose name was Ron Salisbury, and he pastored a Nazarene church in California. I remember really well the day that he told me he'd been diagnosed with cancer, and he said, it's the bad stuff. He used to send his church emails, just, you know, kind of updating them on what was going on and how he was processing things in his own life. And, and when I would get his emails, I would cherish them because Ron was able to see things I wasn't able to see in those days. And I remember one day he writes, the enemy has been tempting me with fear, challenging me to be afraid. But he said, God has given me a song. And when I feel afraid, I sing the chorus of this song by casting crowns. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, this is for my glory. And out of all the voices that are calling out to me, I will listen to and I will believe the voice of truth. Good words, huh? You say, wait a minute, Rick. I thought we were talking about the fact that the enemy entices us to live in a way that is contrary to God's plan for our lives. We're still in the conversation because God's plan is not for any of us to live in fear. But God's plan is for us to live in trust. I trust Him with my life and I trust Him in my death. My life is in God's hands. And there are other people here, voices that are saying, you'll never be good enough. You're never going to measure up. You're never going to get it right. Why don't you quit trying? You never can do this thing. And there's other people here, voices saying, you don't have much to offer anybody, God or anybody else. What contribution are you really going to make? Who really wants to be around you? And we've got to make a choice about which voices will influence the direction of our lives. I was in a group a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning. And I go every week because it's very important to me. It's really important to my spiritual development. And I sat with this group of believers and we talk about our faith journey together. And the other day, a guy whose name is John said, um, you remember the story that Pastor Rick told in a sermon? I hadn't thought of the story for a while, but it's one of my favorites. It's a story about a little girl who is headed over a mountain path to spend the night at her grandmother's. She's alone. And as she's walking the mountain path, all of a sudden she's startled and she jumps back because laying in the path there is a snake. And the snake says to the little girl, what's wrong? And she says, you're a snake. You startled me. And the snake says to the little girl, you don't need to be afraid of me. And she says, I don't. And the snake says, no, look at me. I'm beautiful. Look at my colors. Watch me glisten in the sunlight as I move. 
And the little girl says, I never thought of it, but you are kind of pretty. And the snake says, where are you going? Oh, my grandmother's house. Oh, you'll be fine, the snake says. You'll make it before nightfall. Not me. I'll be stuck up here. I can't get down the mountain that fast, and it gets cold up here at night. I shouldn't ask you probably. What? No, I shouldn't. The little girl says, ask me what? Maybe for a lift down the mountain path. Maybe I could ride in your coat pocket. And the little girl says, I don't know that that's a good idea. And the snake says, oh, I wouldn't hurt you. And the little girl says, you wouldn't? And the snake says, no. And the little girl said, well, I, I guess it would be okay. And the snake says, just sit on the rock. I'll crawl into your pocket. And so the little girl sits down on the rock and the snake crawls into her pocket and the little girl pops up to head down the mountain path but about three steps in, the snake bites her in her side. And she reaches into her pocket and she pulls the snake out and throws it onto the ground and said, You bit me! And before the snake slithers off into the brush, he says to the little girl, you knew what I was when you picked me up. So we're in the to-do part of our conversation today. What do you do? I think number one is you recognize the voice of the enemy. You admit to yourself, this is a lie. So when you think about your life, when you think about choices that you made that you wish you would have never made, did you know you were believing a lie? And over the years as a pastor, a lot of people have said to me, Pastor Rick, I knew I knew exactly it was a lie. But I was listening to a voice that was saying what I wanted to hear. And so I went for it. But in my heart, I knew. And so I think, number one, you admit to yourself, that's the voice of the enemy. That's a lie. Jesus. Now this is Jesus talking. This is not Paul or James or somebody else in the New Testament. This is Jesus. Jesus says, the devil is a liar. He is the father of the lies. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He just lies. That's what he does. And so I think, number one, you admit to yourself, that's the voice of the liar. I'm not going to go for that. I think, number two, you follow the voice that you hear in God's Word. You do exactly what Jesus did. So when Jesus faces temptation... Jesus just responds with the Word of God. Here's what He says. He says, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Word of God. You understand, the Word of God is what sustains me. Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. I'm not going to bow down to you for status, for power, to meet my own desires or anything else. And then He says, Do not put the Lord your God to a test. I will not use my power to test God. I'll use my power to restore and to heal people who are broken. See, I think there's a gospel story here. And the gospel story says, what if I take the step of faith? And what if I live life God's way even when I'm tempted? 
What if I follow the pattern of Jesus? And by doing that, will I not find the best possible life I could ever live? It's like last week. I said to you something like this. I'll say it with different language, but it's the same idea. I have never in my life given in to temptation and said, man, I'm glad I gave in to temptation. This has been great. I've always been full of regrets. But on the other side of the conversation, every time I said, I'm going to do it God's way, it's always been good. There's a guy whose name is Daryl who attended a church that um, I pastored years ago. And one day after church, we're walking out, and he says, well, I'm going to do something the devil wouldn't even do. And I said, what's that, Daryl? He says, I'm going to leave you alone. True story. The devil left Jesus, but the Bible says until an opportune time. In other words, he will come to you over and over again. And that's why it's so important that you have in your heart the Word of God. So let me just wrap things up for a minute. Do you, do you know what today is? It's actually an anniversary. This is March the 14th. One year ago, March the 15th, 2020, we did not worship in person for the first time. It's been a year. And so when I think about it, the rest of March, all of April, all of May, most of us lived pretty much in isolation. And there are people who now for a year have pretty much lived in isolation. It's been a tough year. You know what I would call it? I think it's fair to call it the wilderness. Do you know what happens in the wilderness? We hear voices. We hear God's voice. But we also hear the voice of the enemy. And he lies. <laughs> and we have a decision to make. Which voice will I allow to influence the direction of my life? Because the voice of the enemy is always trying to entice me to live in a way that is contrary to God's plan for my life. And so the question is, will I follow the voice of God as I understand it in His Word? And so I feel like this morning we're, we're kind of in this place of saying, God, help me to admit it when I hear the voice of the enemy. And help me to listen to your voice and to follow you. But I got to wonder if there's people in the room saying, or people online watching saying, Rick, I'm full of regrets. Because even though I knew, deep in my heart I knew it, I listened to the wrong voice. And I feel like God is so far away. And I just want to come home.
So we're going to stand together. Would you do that with me? And we're going to sing a great song of response. But I just want to say to you that I want there to be an attitude, an atmosphere here at the church that says, if you want to come and pray, there's always an altar here. And it's open for you to come and talk to God about whatever you want to talk about. Maybe there's somebody in your life and you've thought about them the entire sermon and you want to come and pray for them. You can do that. Maybe you want to pray for healing. Maybe you want to pray for something else. But there's a spirit here where you can talk to God. Let's sing together. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.